Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. It's the locks edition of the show and shed a tear and and break out all the... All, all the sad graduation songs or whatever you do to conclude uh, any season. Well, this is the, the final regular season edition of The Locks. Now, uh, we are going to have you covered for bowls because, of course, we are. We are going to be the one podcast who gives you uh, the the need-to-know information from uh, against-the-spread picks, over-under, motivation. Uh, if you need any bowl pool information, we're going to be the spot that you want to go. So be sure to stick with us all throughout the postseason. But this will conclude the competition. Between myself, Barton Simmons, Tom Fernelli, they're all here. Gentlemen, final. It's week 14. Uh, we decided that we would crown a regular season champion, and then we would have a postseason champion. So uh, so how are we feeling as we approach a much lighter slate with championship week ahead of us? Well, I mean, you know, I've, I've got such a commanding lead that I feel like the smart thing for me to do would be to not make any picks at all. But, but you know, I can't do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> what about you, Barton? That would be, I feel like that would be not a smart thing to do because if you just go and, and have a zero play this week, then you're five games. I'm, I'm five games behind you. Chip's four games behind you. And all we got to do is throw five and four games up. We got a shot. You, what you really should do is just see what we play and uh and the same thing pick the same things <laughs> so if there is uh, a lot of lock agreement we've got uh the sounders ready for post-production uh if there's a lot of lock unity queen latifah will be broken out do we have any dentist picks this week uh i've not heard from the dentist this week okay. you know old miss is their season's long gone at this point so uh that that's really been the dentist's wheelhouse this year the drill so, stays in the cabinet yeah, that's right <laughs> We'll see. We'll see if I get a text mid-show here, but uh, no, no Dennis Locks today. All right, let's uh, let's review the uh, the Locks doc to uh, to take a look at what happened during our week thirteen. The uh, it was it was a very middling week for most of us. Barton had the best performance of the week, going five and three plus two for the week. That gets him to forty-seven and forty-four plus three for the season. Uh, he with the Lock Unity. Of Oklahoma, we caught it at two and a half. So that three-point win is a cash for us, a push if you got it in late. But if you listen to us, then you got that winner. Uh, Mississippi State minus eleven. He it, there was there was no question about that from from start to finish. A dominant thirty-four to three win for the Bulldogs. A loss on Notre Dame minus ten and a half on a brutal uh, backdoor cover that saved Clay Helton's job. Is Clay Helton the only coach who saved his job with a backdoor cover? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh maybe lovey smith did oh really uh, with for illinois yeah i mean he got the extension after a backdoor cover there as well so mm, athletic directors they know what's up covering is winning uh over 52 in florida state florida that one cashed texas a&m minus three well well uh not not the way that you wanted to win right barton like staying up through all that or lose, I guess. Lose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, uh, yeah that was that, – I mean, you know what? It was entertaining. It kept me engaged. That's, that's why we do this, man. <laughs> stay engaged. It was fun. 
the under okay, 50 lost. under 56 and a half Michigan Ohio State uh, Ohio State covered that on their own um, the under 48 and a half in Pitt Miami great call that's just exactly the way that that game was going to go that one was a win and then the over 84 in West Virginia Oklahoma that one was a win as well so again so close to a seven and one week and I really could have used a seven and one week to, mm. to make this fun last week of the year but Tom and I each at 500 uh, for the week, four and four, so net zero. We remain at our current positions that we had going in. Tom, plus eight for the season. Chip at plus four. We'll review Tom's first. Oklahoma cashed. Uh, the under Virginia, Virginia Tech did not. It died a terrible death in the fourth quarter, and then, of course, that game goes to overtime. Auburn plus 24 and a half. That one was a loss as Alabama pulled away late. The under 54 Notre Dame USC. That was the play there. That's a winner. Under 52 in Florida State, Florida. Uh, that one did not cash. Uh, under 56 and a half, as we mentioned, did not cash. Wake plus 12. That's winners. And uh, Louisiana plus three and a half. They got it done. They're going to be playing in the Sun Belt title game. Uh, your beloved Raging Cajuns, Tom, coming through to get you uh, the win to keep you at 500 for the week. You know I can always count on my Cajuns. Always. Are you going to be picking them against Appalachian State to cover the spread? Uh, We'll see. We'll see. All right. Four and four again uh, for the week. That is 53 and 45 plus eight for the season. Uh, I also, again, got in on the lock unity for the Oklahoma with the win. Uh, I was on the under that died a horrible death for Virginia, Virginia Tech. Uh, Florida State plus six and a half, reckless from the beginning. I, ho- I hope you heard that in my tone. That one lost. LSU plus three was the winner on after seven overtimes. <laughs> under 58 and a half in Clemson, South Carolina got out of hand real fast in the first half. That was also a loser on the under 56 and a half in Michigan, Ohio State. But... The right side as I pick up the Buckeyes plus four and a half winners the whole way and Wake plus 12 winners the whole way. Four and four. I'm at 47 and 43. So here we go again. Tom plus eight. Chip plus four. Barton plus three. For the purposes of timing, how many locks we got? How many logs do we have out there for the fire? I only have four. So you really are kind of game planning. No, it's just there's not very many games to choose from. Okay. Uh, I can't help myself. I've got seven with two on the side. Barton, what do you have? Wow. You found, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You found seven plus an additional two more potentially? Correct. So possibly nine. <laughs> Isn't there only like nine games the whole weekend? Um, There are – I think there's about 12 to 13. It's a great effort, man. That's a great effort. I, I tell uh, you what, they've had me. I'm. I seriously think I'm going to end up logging. By the way, everyone should watch CBS Sports HQ, 24/7 streaming sports network. I think I'm doing like eight CBS Sports HQ hits, and it's one of these things where I've had to talk myself into the picks so much that as we sit here to record, I'm confident. Uh, I've got at least four, uh, maybe five, maybe six. We'll sort of see how the show goes. See what uh, I may pick up some things from you guys, but you know, obviously, I, I probably should be active this week. I mean, uh, so I, I have a column that just went up with six picks in it, and I've only got four locks, so it's <laughs> got like nine out of fourteen games. Uh, all right, are you boys ready to lock it up? Yep. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five star locks are coming. Come get these locks. Five star master lock. Lock it up. You want these locks? 
I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying every, every point, every cover. So the week winner, Barton, has the honors on the tee box. You get to go first. Barton, get us started. All right. I'm actually going to go with probably my my least uh, confident pick, but it's it's earliest in the week, so I want to get the, um, on the board quickly. Go to the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Washington playing Utah. And, and I really wrestled with this. And, and Chip, I think when we went head-to-head on, uh, on HQ last night, I think I had Washington uh, as my pick. Yeah, you went Washington, but then you, you sort of talked yourself into the under by the end of the answer. Right. Well, basically, I, I had given the, the producers Washington, and then between that and the show, I decided under was the play. Uh, I think I've got Utah in our expert picks. I, I actually think this game's going to be close, and I think the the play to me is under. And I know these two already played once this year, and the, the total on, in that game was 28 points. Uh, I, you know, I don't know if they're going to stay that low or not, but I, I think this is going – I mean, just in terms of just the culture of these two programs, in terms of just the, the mentality that they have coming into a game like this, it's going to be a hard-nosed, blue-collar type of matchup. Uh, it's going to be between two offenses that really don't have the kind of explosive playmakers uh, that scare you on and over. Um, uh, you know, Utah's got uh, a quarterback out, the running back out, and I know that they've the the Shine kid has has been productive running the football um, in relief, but uh, you know, at some point the, the the clock's ticking on that. I, I you know, one thing. I almost rolled with Utah because one thing that sort of caught my eye is when you look at the, you know, the, the defensive line for Washington, you know, their strength is in the secondary and really the linebacker position defensive line in terms of like line yards given up and, and opportunity rates. Washington is not that good in that arena uh, up front. And so I was tempted to go Utah. But then I looked back at that that first game, and, and I realized, you know, I reminded myself, look, Utah, even with Tyler Huntley, only threw for like 138 yards against Washington that game. I don't see it being a whole lot different with Jason Shelley under center. I just don't know where the yards and points are going to come from, and I think these are two teams that are going to really thrive and enjoy just banging their heads against each other all game. So I'm going to go long answer – 40, under 44 and a half, I think, is, is the number I saw most recently. Yep. Uh, and go under. I like the play. I'm uh, I'm staying away from this, um, but I lean Utah, like you, especially if you can catch it at five and a half. Um, and I, as I explained last night, my lean there is almost motivation. Like, like the biggest game of Washington season probably was the Apple Cup. And winning the Pac-12 championship is a little bit of a step down from playing for a college football playoff spot. I just think I think Utah comes in with a little bit of a motivation edge in this spot after everything they've gone through this season. So I lean Utah. I like your underpick. I will not lock up either one of them. What you got, Tom? I am on Utah plus five and a half. Lock? Yeah. Ooh, spicy, spicy. Yeah, I, I mean, I understand that with Huntley out, and Shelly, and it's it's a bit of a different team, but they've still played pretty well with Shelly at quarterback. While they, you know, they've had to change things up a little bit, and he's not quite as efficient as Huntley had been during the season. 
I still think that the offense is working at a pretty good pace. They've scored at least 30 points in each of his starts against Oregon, Colorado, and then last week against BYU. And I just think that Washington is a team that maybe the they've they've been better the last few weeks. You know, they got they got Trey Adams back at their left tackle, and I think that's been a big boost. But this is still a team that I think is getting maybe too much credit for beating Washington State in a snow globe last week. I still think this is the same Washington team we've seen most of the year that's good but not great. And although it beat Utah 21 to 7 earlier this season, I feel like the Utah team in September is not quite the same team that we're seeing now. They they were off to a slower start and then once they got into conference play after that, they they lost the two in a row to Washington and Washington State and then they kind of picked it up and got into their groove and have been much better since. So I'm not sure that Utah is going to win this game, but kind of in line with what Barton's thinking with the under. I'm not expecting a ton of points to be scored in this game. And I was leaning towards the under myself a little bit, but I just thought the total might be a little too low to feel comfortable with it. So I I think that, you know, five and a half points in a lower scoring game are a lot of points to have. So I'm leaning towards the Utes here and I'm locking it up at Utah plus five and a half. Utah plus five and a half for Tom under 44 and a half. Uh, I will be sitting that one on the sideline. Uh, All right, let's take the action. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and just roll it out there. We're going to be going to Atlanta. I'm going to go roll tide minus 13 and a half. And I'm going to take the over. What oh, is yeah. going two ways? Yeah, two ways. Um, where do I get my over at? Are we going at 63? I guess shop around, whatever you can get. All right, hold on, hold on. Oh, wrong site, not that one. Um, all right, so here's my thinking. I think that, number one, we are going to be going into this game with a memory of the way that everything went last year when they played in the national championship game. That, of course, being 20-20 to at the end of regulation, I believe. And I... I have looked at the way that this Alabama team has played in 2018 as being entirely different, so I've got to throw that result out. And I I think that both Georgia and Alabama are going to be able to get their offenses up and moving and humming a little bit. So I kind of see this maybe not being that dissimilar from what we saw in the Iron Bowl where the defense is – is maybe going to give up a few yards and maybe a few explosive plays, but then the offense responds. And and I, I just kind of feel like even while Georgia's defense has been better in the back half of the year, I just think this is going to almost get a little Rose Bowl-y, if that makes sense, where especially if I can catch it at 13 and a half, it, you're, you're going to feel like Georgia's in the game. It's not going to feel like a blowout, but I think it's going to be higher scoring than you expect in Georgia, and Alabama ends up winning by at least two touchdowns. And by the way, we get to lock it in at 63.5. So Alabama minus 13.5, over 63.5. Double dipping, CBS, be there, all eyes on the Tide and the Dogs. Are you going to tease it? Teasers are for wimps and wussies. Thank you. I'm so proud of you. I've taught you well. Lock fight. 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 Georgia plus 13 and a half. This line is ridiculous. 
This line is playing to everybody thinking that Alabama is the greatest team of all time. And Alabama has been a juggernaut. Do not get me wrong. They've won, you know, they're 12-0. and 0. They're winning by 35.25 points per game. They've won their SEC games by 32.6 points per game. But Georgia is better than just about every other SEC team not named Alabama, and it's better than the SEC West teams that Alabama's been facing this season, specifically because unlike the LSUs and Mississippi States and the Auburns of the world, the reason you're taking the overchip is because Georgia can score points. Georgia can score points. And Georgia is going to be able to score points against Alabama. I think Jake Fromm has been like – criminally underrated this season because he doesn't have the eye-popping total numbers that you see from Tua and guys like Kyler Murray, but efficiency-wise, he's been very, very good. And I think that this is a line that should be between 7 at best if you're really optimistic about Georgia or 10 if the most pessimistic about Georgia. So if I'm getting nearly two touchdowns, I'm getting 3.5 points of value here, I feel like. Yeah, give me Georgia plus 13.5. I think this is a 10-point game. Uh, here's my dilemma right now. I don't want to play this game. Don't really have a ton of confidence in it. Uh, but I'm, I'm sitting here looking up at both of you guys and I can't let chip extend the leads. Even as Fernelli comes back down to earth because I still got to catch chip. So I got to pick a side here. I can't let you guys fight it out and me not join in. I either got to cancel out Fernelli's pick or cancel out Chips. So I'm going to go Fernelli. I'm going to I'm going to jump on board with Fernelli. I like Georgia. If I got to make a play on this, and it feels like I do, I like Georgia. Uh, look, they're they're one of the few teams in college football that isn't beat before the whistle against Alabama. They don't think that Alabama is any more talented than they are, whether they whether that's true or not. Uh, so they're not going to be scared. I think they can. They can score. The offensive line is really good. Perhaps can control the line of scrimmage a little bit more than Alabama has seen. Uh, you know, this is this is everything for Georgia. And and I'm not saying Alabama doesn't come in there motivated. I don't think it's a motivation deal. But Alabama's in no matter what. Georgia, they got to pull out all the stops. They got to they you know maybe we see more Justin Fields. Um, maybe we see surprise on side, you know, maybe we see that, but Georgia's got to win. And so I think that that gives Georgia a little bit more, you know, that they'll keep on swinging late in the game. I also think Georgia is defensively, uh, a little more equipped to hang with Alabama because they don't give up the explosive plays. They've given up 25 all year long. That's number one in the country, uh, in terms of 20 plus yards from scrimmage allowed. Alabama has, has, generated 88 of those plays, which is third in the country. Um, something's got to give there. I, I think Georgia, um, just because this is a, a roster that will believe a little bit and, and will be able to maybe uh, control the, the, the pace a little bit here and there, I, I, I lean on this being a 10 to 11 points game rather than a 13 and a half to 14 point game. So give me Georgia to keep it close uh, and Alabama to still win. Tom, to your point, I'll throw out a hot take. I would rather have Jake Fromm in 2018 based on performance alone, not talent, than Dwayne Haskins. 
Yeah, I mean, I think they're both. I think they've both done pretty good. But I think for what Georgia needs and from Georgia wants, Fromm has been damn near perfect for what they ask from him. Mm. Okay, uh, let's go to so that is of course on Saturday, four p.m. on CBS. You want to be there? You've got to be there. Um, how about let's go ahead and get roll this one out there? Big Twelve Championship game, twelve o'clock Saturday. We're in Jerry's world. We're in the the old Red River uh, kickoff time of noon. We got a Red River rematch, and I'm going horns down, going Oklahoma minus eight. Uh, I I don't think I think that even I am defying Tom Herman as a dog based on everything else around this game, all the hubbub, all the chatter, and the fact that when TCU showed up in the Big 12 championship game against Oklahoma, it was never close. And I kind of think that we might see the same situation here. Oklahoma starts really, really fast. And Texas, even with that Oklahoma defense, uh, I think they end up losing a high-scoring game, but end up losing the game just always being about two touchdowns behind. They're not going to be able to do it. So I, I'm, I like Sooners, and I'll take it anywhere up to 10, locking it in at minus 8. Lock agreement. We're picking locks. Uh, I, I, part of my deal here is when I look at sort of the build-up to this game, first of all, Oklahoma's playing for a national title. I mean, they're, that's still in play. They're playing for the playoffs. And, and Texas has plenty of motivation just to be a spoiler here and win the Big 12 championship. I'm not saying that that's, that doesn't mean anything either. But uh, Oklahoma's got a lot on the line. Texas is just sort of the thorn in their side right now. They beat them once. Oklahoma feels like they're a better team. They owe them one. They're focused. Uh, the, you know, Texas, Kyler Murray has got this sort of intense hatred for Sam Ellinger. He's, he will not even comment when asked if he respects Sam Ellinger's game. He says no comment. Uh, Lincoln Riley is pissed off that – Tom Herman flew in Kansas fired head coach David Beatty to consult all week during preparation. Uh, Oklahoma has been told that they can't put the hook them down sign during the game because I guess that's such an offensive gesture that uh, the, the Texas folks are going to, uh, you know, it'll be too, too uh, offensive to the sensibilities of those Texas folk. It just feels like this is like, how many times are you going to poke this Oklahoma bear? And now you get Lincoln Riley, who is given a, a second look at this Texas defense, coming into a game where not only do they need to win, they ne- they actually need to win decisively. There There is not any guarantee that winning you're in, given that o- Ohio State's going to have a resume opportunity uh, a, a, a few hundred miles away. So I, I think that as I look at this game, and I, I'm scared, like I perfectly, I can absolutely visualize in the fourth quarter being like, well, I should have known better. You know, Tom Herman is a dog. Here we are. But I like Oklahoma's offense to, to just click off another 55 points showing. And if Texas blinks, if they don't hold serve, if they have one turnover, uh, one fourth down converse, and they don't hit, then all of a sudden they're behind the eight ball and, and they're. They need to play ahead. That was the key last week is they got ahead. They were able to possess the football, control the game. If Texas is playing from behind, 
that does not play to their strengths quite as much. So I, I just think last last time's game went according to script for Texas, and if it gets off script this time, it could get away from and get loose, particularly given all the motivation Oklahoma will have uh, to, to extend that lead. So I'm going to go ahead and lay the points, play Oklahoma. Tom, you got to play? Hit the Queen Latifah, boys, because we got a lot of community. You and I, T.Y. Uh, first of all, let's go to the horns down thing. Let's let's do a comparison. Zach Smith publicly goes after Tom Herman, his wife, and his family, and Tom Herman's all okay, cool, hook him. The Sooners do a horns down sign. Tom Herman's crying to the Big Twelve. <laughs> Just, I'd like to compare those two things. Yeah, and don't forget so Tom which, Herman's which, wife wearing the okay, cool, hook him yeah. T-shirt. Which which tells me that Tom Herman doesn't actually care about the horns down. Like it's like you said, Bart. He's just using it to poke the bear. And why the hell would you want to poke the Oklahoma bear? Um, yes, Texas won the game, and as we've mentioned, Tom Herman is a dog. But the one thing Tom Herman has never done as an underdog is being a dog against the same team twice in the same season. It's a completely different story beating a team once and then having to do it again when they know what you're going to do and they are, they've, they've already seen how they could beat you. And going back to that game, if you look at like S&P Plus's profiles of their games, you know they have the post-game win expectancy. Texas won that game 48 to 5. Oklahoma had a post-game win expectancy of 92% in that game. The adjusted scoring margin for that game based on what actually happened was Oklahoma plus 13. So there was a 16-point difference in what would typically happen with those performances between what actually happened on the field. And I think that if Oklahoma pretty much just comes out and plays the same way it did against Texas in the first game, it's going to win pretty easily, and I, I, there's that definitely the part of me that's always going to be terrified taking Oklahoma laying points with a spread over a touchdown, just as we've seen so many times that the defense is awful and will give up as many, you know, a ton of points, and there is that matchup disadvantage that they have with their smaller corners against Texas's bigger receivers. But I just think that this is between the motivation, between what's at stake, between all the extracurricular crap going on with, you know, the horns down and all that kind of stuff. I just think Oklahoma is going to come out and they're going to blow the doors off the Longhorns here. I'm taking the Sooners minus eight. Lock it up. Yeah. Don't forget, y'all, when uh, Queen Latifah came out for Oklahoma last week, it was a winner. So uh, so go ahead and, and, and now that you hear that, jump on board because uh, – Sooners, Sooners train, man. This is this is going to be where it's at. Uh, all right, Tom, take us wherever you want to go. Can I get on a soapbox real quick about sure. something? Yes, please. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I see, and someone posted in our uh, show comments uh, about you know how can you be talk about Oklahoma as clearly better or than than Ohio State for the playoffs, uh, and and I see it on Twitter a lot too. People defending the resumes of Oklahoma and Ohio State. And, he, and even um, Bucknuts' own Dave Biddle, I noticed a tweet uh, that he had recently where he said, and, and this has sort of been the the message for, for everybody, is sort of, all right, Oklahoma is number one in the country in total offense. Ohio State is number two in total offense. But Ohio State has the number 67 total defense. Oklahoma has the number 111 total defense. That's sort of the... the what, what the Ohio State message is. Control the message. I just, I just want to 
explain why, clearly, why I think Oklahoma is better than Ohio, Ohio State or has a better resume to this point than Ohio State. And, and let's look at, yes, they're one and two in total offense. But I think, I think you would agree, the better measure of offense is yards per play. And then, then, then total offense because it adjusts for pace of play, adjusts for what your defense is doing, how, to, how many possessions you're getting, all those sort of things. Oklahoma, Ohio's, Oklahoma is number one in the country in yards per play. Ohio State is number, I don't know, 12th or something like that. Oklahoma's 8.92 yards per play. It's the best all time. Oklahoma, Ohio State is 6.69 yards per play. That's 2.23 yards difference per play, Okay. Whereas defensively, Oklahoma has 6.01 giving up yards per play. Whereas Ohio State gives up 5.84 yards per play. Pretty negligible difference there. So I, I think the, the difference is we're talking about a historic offense versus a very good offense against two just generally not very good defenses. So it's not fair to say one and two offensively when you're talking about one offense that would be one of all time versus an offense that would be very good of all time. That's all to say, look, Ohio State, they have plenty of, um, of argument here. They've got a leg to stand on. I get it. Make your case. But to act like it's ridiculous to call Oklahoma a better resume is, is I think, uh, dishonest given – how good this offense is. That's what it's all about, is how good this Oklahoma offense is. And I say that all now because, look, we're talking about it in the Big 12 championship game, and the reason I like Oklahoma is because it takes a special performance to keep pace with this historic offense. There, off soapbox. Teach them. Teach them, Barton. Get them. Get them in line. (laughs) To to support what Barton was saying, Chip, you've seen a sneak peek at this. I've been working on an efficiency metric of my own. For the last few weeks, and it is not nearly ready for public consumption. I'm going to be spending the off season tweaking it, trying to make sure you know that there's some actual correlation to performance. But I will say that I have gone through and done the top 25 teams in the college football playoff <laughs> rankings, their efficiency on both offense and defense, and their net efficiency. And even with Oklahoma having the least efficient defense. Overall, they're a far more efficient team than Ohio State. The offense is just that ridiculously good that when I did these rankings, Oklahoma checks in third behind Alabama and Clemson. And this is just of the top 25 teams. And Ohio State checks in at 15th behind teams like Florida. Listen, Utah, I know, Virginia, I know what the numbers say, but I've just watched a lot of Ohio State games where that offense is spinning its wheels. Yeah. I don't watch. I don't have a lot. I've watched a lot of Oklahoma games, and it rarely looks like the Sooners are spinning their wheels like the Buckeyes are. Um, yeah, when when that offense is at its peak, it's what we saw last week against Michigan. It's just there's too many times where it's not at its peak. Right. Um. Yeah. All all good. So soapbox applauded for sure. <laughs> uh, Tom, where do you want to go? Uh, do you want to go to Big Ten? Day. If we since we're on the topic, I don't have any picks there. Uh, I have a pick, but it's not a lock. Um, do you have a, a lock on Big Ten, Barton? I do. I do. Okay. Well, let's let's hit that first. And, since and, we're I, on and this topic. is a good time to talk about it. I mean, and, and one more point I'd like to make on the the Oklahoma Ohio State comparison too is is while you can talk about just total yardage accumulated, it's it's really about how many points you're scoring. And once again, Oklahoma. 0.757 points per play 
that factors in, you know, are you stalling in the red zone? Are you getting touchdowns or field goals? Ohio State, 0.525 points per play. And when you compare that to Alabama at number two, 0.703. Clemson at number four, 0.611. Ohio State is still a good clip below those three in terms of what their offense is producing uh, as far as points per play and their efficiency. So all that said now, I got on my Ohio State, my, my Oklahoma versus Ohio State soapbox, and I'm perfectly willing to, you know, see what happens this weekend and see if I change my mind on those two teams. But I am also going to take Ohio State against Northwestern. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's your bone because I actually really like this play. Uh, I like it a lot. Like this is, um, I like the Oklahoma play a lot this weekend. I also like the Ohio State play a lot this weekend. I'm getting it at, I think it's minus 14. Is that the, the, the sort of the standard number right now? Yeah. All right. This is and and I, I've had Ohio State pegged this year. I, I I feel like I can take a little bit of credit for this. And and I called the Ohio State was going to lose to Purdue. Uh, I missed the Maryland thing just because I didn't look into that as much. But I, I I feel like I for weeks in advance of the Michigan game, I said like this is a good matchup for Ohio State. They're gonna they're this is not a team that's going to give Ohio State the kind of trouble that we've seen where they've had trouble in the past this season. Northwestern is is not a scary matchup for Ohio State. Like, I get it that Northwestern just figures out a way to play teams close. And you don't really know how they did it, but they just they, they keep it ugly and they keep it close. Well, and and in in a similar vein, Michigan State does that too. And look what Ohio State did to Michigan State. Um, this is not an offense that's gonna scare Ohio State. The two offenses that have given Ohio State trouble. Purdue and Maryland, 15th in the country in marginal explosiveness is Purdue. Third in the country in marginal explosiveness is Maryland. Northwestern, 124th in the country in marginal explosiveness. They're 121st in the country in 20-plus yards, a place from scrimmage of 20-plus yards. Like, they're not just going to drive the field methodically on Ohio State over and over again. And if you keep giving Ohio State possessions against a defense that's not, like, a, a suffocating defense, you're going to like the Ohio State's going to take advantage of it. Northwestern, even when you look at their schedule, and I think this is where we screwed up on Michigan, is is we we sort of saw the dominance of Michigan, but we didn't take into account they really hadn't played a team like Ohio State. And when you look at Northwestern, they really haven't played a team like Ohio State either. It, it maybe you can maybe argue that like Purdue is it has some of the same threats, but that was week one. You can maybe make a case that just athletically the roster is similar in terms of Michigan, but style of play is so different, I don't think that it, that carries weight. So then you look at the rest of the schedule, what Duke, Akron, Michigan State, Nebraska, maybe it is your best other op- option, Rutgers, Wisconsin, Notre Dame, uh, Iowa, Minnesota, Illinois. Like, there's no one else like Ohio State on that uh, on that schedule in terms of what they present offensively. Ohio State has every motivation in the world to go out and and absolutely 59 to 3 these guys. Like if they can win by 50, they will. There's no reason to just get through this game because they're sitting there at 6th. If they if they're up by 10 points in the fourth quarter, it what difference does it make? I mean, yes, they want to win a championship, but what's the difference between winning by 11 and losing? You're out of the playoffs either way as long as Ohio Oklahoma wins. So I think that Ohio State goes in there, foot on the gas against a good matchup where a type of team that they can overwhelm 
and they win this thing by a lot. So give me Ohio State. Do you mind if I add this to my slate? Because we agree. But I don't know, because you know, it wasn't originally on my locks, but it's in my column. I'm also on Ohio State minus 14. Hey, it would be a strategic play for you, for Nelly. I'm that's why I make. To... <laughs> that, that's why I don't want to just throw it on because. I oh won't... no! Get in there, man. We it's all about cool. making money for the people. Just have lock, to find another log on the fire. Lock unity. Ohio State minus fourteen. It's yeah, pretty much everything you just said, and the fact that this Northwestern team is incredibly fraudulent and it needs to get its come up at some point. It's you look at it, you know, like I mentioned earlier, we were talking about the Texas Oklahoma game, the post game win expectancy from the S and P plus. Northwestern is eight and four, and it does not have a post game win expectancy in in any game but one of higher than eighty percent. That was against Rutgers, which was only eighty six percent supposed to win that game. Because we'll remember, Northwestern ended up winning that game eighteen to fifteen. It's a horrible offense. They have horrible special teams. They have a good defense. They are not going to be able to hang with Ohio State for over sixty minutes. Not on turf. Yes, Northwestern at home where they grow the grass about, you know, a foot long to slow down opponents. They can hang with teams like Michigan at home. They could hang with Wisconsin at home. They could kind of hang with Notre Dame at home. And, you know, even though that game was probably not as close as the 10-point margin at the end really suggests. On the turf indoors in Indianapolis, this Northwestern team does not have nearly enough speed. To keep up with Ohio State. Ohio State is going to blow the doors off of this team. And we add to it too, since Oklahoma and Texas are playing early the day on Saturday, Ohio State will know what Oklahoma has done. So if Oklahoma beats Texas like we expect it to, Ohio State's going going to go into this game knowing that it can't just win. They have to keep the foot on the gas pedal. They'll also know the result probably of Alabama-Georgia by the time the game kicks off as well. So they're going to know exactly what is necessary and what is expected of them for them to climb from 6 to 4 if to even make it in the realm of possibility. So we're not going to see a situation where they get up and then they get conservative. They are going to keep going for it, and they're going to try to win by 50, and they can win by 50 against this Northwestern team. I'm sitting this one on the sideline. I like your play, but especially in the interest of competition, I'm going to be sitting this one out. I will say I could see if there's one place where there could be a potential, uh, you know, a little bit of a leak in the dam or something, you know, just enough. Ohio State's offensive line has been sorry from time to time. Northwestern's defensive front's all right. So we'll see. I'd sure hate it if y'all took an L there and I got a game on you. <laughs> we'll see. Um, all right. Sorry about that, Tom. So you, you take us where you want to go next. All right. This is this is my final lock. I won't be adding any more. Um, I am taking the under in the Mountain West Championship game, 52 and a half. I just don't expect there to be very many points scored. In it. it's, it's, not, it's not very scientific. I mean, these two played earlier this season. In Boise, and the final score was twenty-four to seventeen. So that's you know that was a forty-one point game. This totals at fifty-two and a half. Now there's not going to be any high winds, though it will be chilly. It's just when I look at these two teams, these are two teams that have efficient offenses, and but they're more or less relying on their defenses to lead the way for them. And that was the case in the first meeting, and I think that's going to be the case in this one. And the under has gone four and zero the last four times they've played, and it's gone five and one the last six times they've played in Boise. So. 
It's just that seems to be the direction everything here is pointing towards. So Fresno at Boise under 52 and a half. Mm. I lean Fresno plus two and a half, but it's a log on the side of the fire that I'm going to leave there. I, I didn't know you've got a couple logs on the side of the fire when there's not very many logs to be left on the side of the fire. Mr. I've got seven locks. All right. You ready? I yeah. Okay. Cal plus two and a half. Let's go. It's going to be nasty at the game. It's not going to be a fun kind of game. And Stanford doesn't seem to have that hard edged identity that, um, you know, we've come to expect. In fact, they, they often need to, to spread it out and sling it around. But boy, Cal looks like a team that's ready for a rock fight. I think that went, that's a motivation play. That win is, would mean a lot more to Cal at home based on the rivalry. So uh, I'll take Cal plus two and a half. Boom. You can get it three, maybe. Ooh, I'll, I'll take three. <laughs> What'd you tell him for? Yeah, you can get it at three. It's three most places now. Cool. Yeah, no, I think Cal wins that game, and I'll take the three for sure. That's, uh, that, that, is, that is entirely a motivation ploy right there. The Sharps disagree. Oh, darn. <laughs> for, well, they're wrong 40% of the time. That's so right. That's right. Sharps are wrong 40% of the time. That's what we're hoping for. Why do the Sharps like Stanford? I couldn't tell you. I could just tell you that 57% of the tickets are on Stanford, yet 76% of the money is. Mm. Okay. 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 Uh, Barton, what do you have left? Um, I'm going to go, let's see. Let's go to the ACC. Uh, this is a this is a this is a tricky one here. So first of all, I like two plays. I like the under, and I like Clemson. It's going to be a little bit tricky for both of them to hit. Uh, margins are thin there, but you know what? Last last week of the season, um, got to shoot to score. Miss one hundred percent of the shots you don't take. I am going to play both under, are we at 53 yet? Uh, let's see, 53. And 53 at Bavada, so that counts. So under 53 and Clemson minus 27 and a half. Nice. All right, so I can, I can win with the 28. Um, look, Pitts, just like the, you know, the discussion about Ohio State, Pitt's not built to beat this this Clemson team. Um, they are. They, it's all about pounding the rock with them, and they're going up against the best run defense in the country. Clemson's given up 2.23 yards per carry, best in the nation. Their their defensive front is number one in all of the uh, the, the defensive line analytics stuff. Uh, if you're going to put points up on Clemson, it's going to take some a Herculean passing effort like we saw out of Jake Bentley who threw for 500-plus yards, Kellen Mond who threw for 430 yards. Pitt's 120th in the country in passing offense. Kenny Pickett is not a dynamic passer yet. Uh, I think Clemson, given the way they're playing right now defensively, uh, got a little bit of a wake-up call last week. Uh, they've got unfinished business with Pitt last time they played Pitt one. Uh, and I just think that they will be able to run up the score, uh, 
I don't think Pitt will be able to score much. So like if Pitt gets 10 points, I'll be surprised if Pitt gets 10 points. Both my, my plays are a little bit in trouble. I don't think Pitt gets 10 points. Uh, and so I'm going to go under 53, Clemson minus 27 and a half. Uh, Clemson's never beat Pitt, ever. There you go. I like it. I, I, I'm glad to hear that. Ever. I mean, they've only played twice, which is kind of crazy when you consider uh, the history of both programs. I'm, I am at, I'm on Pitt plus 27 and a half. Fight. I do Fight. not like Fight. the mood Fight. or the mojo or the attitude around Dabo Sweeney taking on his fan base. You know, when he just, when he started spitting hot fire on the ACC coaches teleconference, I thought that must have been just sort of like an instant reaction. But he doubled down this week, uh, not just on a tele... Because on the teleconference, he was throwing out things like, write that, write that. Maybe it's time for me to seek somewhere else. Write that. And I was like, man, he's he's really upset at the Clemson fans and feels like they don't appreciate what's going oh, was on. Is that what that was all about? Like, he was, it, was, it was a response to Clemson, Clemson fans being mad that he didn't, like, that they gave up too many points or something to South Carolina? Yes. Is that? Yes. Oh, the, okay. The, I, I didn't know the context. Of yeah, the, the quote that really got under his skin, and I figured this out as the week has gone on, someone or some people have uh, either told him or told the team, yeah, you won, but, quote, it felt like a loss. Because that's the what Dabo keeps coming back to, is that his players are even hearing from fans that the South Carolina win, quote, felt like a loss. And that is what he's so upset about. And you're right. Maybe it's a wake-up call. Maybe they come out and, li- listen, they won last year's game against Miami 38-3. to And in that case, you know, your, both of your plays hit, and Barton gets two points. But I'm going Pitt plus 27.5. And, and I think that, um, you know, Dabo spent all week talking about all that matters is winning by one point. And if winning by one point ain't enough for you, well, then maybe I need to seek somewhere else. And I just, I, I don't I don't like any of the surrounding attitudes around that. You know, for a program that has thrived on uh, effervescent positivity, this is not uh, the right tone to expect the best performance. And I could be very, very wrong, but I, I absolutely believe that Pittsburgh not only can cover this spread, but Pittsburgh can make this more of a game than anyone ex- expects. It's the biggest spread on the board, and it's actually the one where I feel like you've got the best chance of the upset alert sirens going off, where it's like 9.30, and you're looking around, and you're like, uh, Clemson's only up 21 to 17 right now kind of situation. So give me the Panthers. A lot of anti-public line movement here, chippers. In favor of Clemson? Uh, opened at 24 and a half and moved to 27 and a half and 11% of the bets are on Clemson. That's fine. I mean, no, I know no, no. 70% of the bets are on Clemson. Is that, is that right? I'm looking yeah. at, I'm looking plus, at a 81% of the money's on Clemson. So it's plus, there's the sharps are plus 11 points on. Are you sure about that? I, I'm looking at it. Yeah. Sports Insights right now, 70% to 30% on Clemson. Well, that's uh, I'm looking at scores and odds, and uh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> so we've got a lock fight on our hands, basically. 
is think, uh, what we what we've got. You know, reading reading between the lines of what you're saying, Chip, and about Dabo's feelings after the way the fans are acting after being South Carolina seems pretty clear to me. Dabo's going to Louisville. Let's start the rumor right now. Dabo to Louisville. Louisville. Boom. Louisville. Sources make up here on the Cover Three podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Dab, oh, I mean, you know, Dabo's just uh, D- Dabo's just gonna wait for that uh, Notre Dame job to open up when Brian Kelly goes to the to the NFL. There you go. What's that? What's another good rumor we can create? Uh, Dabo's going to Ohio State after Urban Meyer retires. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, because if if you're dealing with expectations that are set a little too high, you should definitely go to Ohio State. <laughs> And Notre Dame. Yeah, and Notre Dame. Exactly. Maybe Auburn. Auburn probably be a good spot for low expectations. <laughs> um, hey, you know, you win a national title, you get an extra six months on your contract before they fire you. Yeah. At Auburn. There you, you go. You go to the national title game, you get an extra two years. Um. All right. So let's see. I've got two left. Tom, are you tapped out? I am tapped out, but you never know. Okay, uh, Barton. Uh, I've got I got at least one here. Um, you probably know what game I'm going to, Chip. You may have an idea. Uh, I'm going to go to the American Athletic Conference um, with Mike Norvell getting a second swing at UCF in one season, and I'm going to play. I think the 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 play I'm most confident in here is the over. So, over is it 65? Is that what we're doing right now? Um, let's see. I got it at where is it at right here? It's at 64, 64 and a half, some places. All right. Well, give me 64 then. So, over 64. Uh, this is this is the Mike Novell seeing you twice uh, play. I, I'm I. If there's one thing I'm pretty confident in, it's that Memphis will be able to score points. Um, this is, you know, I think Mike Norvell is, is one of the best in the country at, at game planning. Uh, I think that this Memphis team uh, is, you know, they're playing really good football right now. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to take Memphis. I'm going to see what chips other plays are, see if I need to throw another log on or not. Uh, but, because, look, I, I would take Memphis right now, honestly, if Mackenzie Milton w- were playing. I think I would have more confidence in Memphis right. beating UCF. The fact that Mackenzie Milton is out makes this more of a trendy pick to UCF a little bit. Uh, I, I could see a scenario where UCF sort of rallies the troops. Everyone focuses in, elevates their game to compensate for for missing Mackenzie Milton and, and eke one out. Um, but... What I do have confidence in, regardless, is that Memphis will get their points, and UCF will get some as well. So I'm going to go over 64 um, in a line I've been eyeing for a couple weeks now. Yeah, I'm 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 sitting out uh, the AAC. I do think Memphis wins the game. My expert picks is Memphis straight up uh, and Memphis plus three for the locks perspective. I'm uh, I'm sitting this one out. No, my final plays, Barton. Are uh, they're they're basically tagged together because when it's the first weekend in December, 
you know, it's, and everyone's got a lot on their minds and, you know, exams are coming up and I don't know. I just, I just can't see uh, 56 points being scored when South Carolina plays Akron on Saturday at noon. So I'm going South Carolina under 56. And in a similar vein, when, uh, when Marshall shows up to Lane Stadium playing a Virginia Tech team that needs a win to get to bowl eligibility, like Marshall is more than happy to come and take the check, and Virginia Tech is going to play hard because they want to win, but no one's trying to get hurt. No, no, no one's trying to put their, put their wear, any more wear and tear or stress these bodies a little, mu- a little more than we need to. Virginia Tech unders have always been good in Blacksburg. And I guess until uh, the Virginia game, but Virginia Tech, uh, yeah, the Virginia Tech under fifty one. So these these rescheduled games, I'm going with the unders in both of them. Fifty six in South Carolina Akron, which honestly looks like a line that they just don't think anyone's gonna. Fifty six is the the like we don't know shrug from the odds makers, right? I guess. Yeah, it's like I don't know, fifty six, and I don't see any movement on it either. Uh, and then. 51, that's actually come down from its opening number. So under 56 for South Carolina, under 51 in Virginia Tech. We just want a brisk run, boys. We just want to get everybody a good stretch. We just want to get the fans in there, play the fight song, sing the alma mater. Nobody gets hurt. Let's let's uh, let's just have a nice, good punt fest in both those games. How many fans are showing up to those games? Let's see. So there's, what, f- how many... St- like 60,000, 60 or 70,000 seats in Lane Stadium? Yeah. I'll say they get 40. Hmm. Is that a lame prediction? Like, sweet. No, I mean, I think that these are two fan bases that are fervent enough that you probably will get that much people there. It's just, it's like, why? Right, right. Well, I mean, for Virginia Tech, there's a lot of why, right? Yeah. There's the, the not, I think there's 28 straight seasons of bowl games why you you do this um but yeah and yeah. also you know marshall west virginia virginia tech so there's kind of like a regional but like if you're a south carolina fan are you showing up at the stadium on saturday to watch your team play akron south carolina is favored by 30 in this that, game that, yeah so i'm saying like are you, are you it's like it's like coming to show up against an fcs team for the most part Except it's in December. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, let's see. Let's look at the temperature. The forecast calls for forty-five degree temperatures during the South Carolina's game against it. Like, why? Why? <laughs> I could stay at home and watch it on TV, or I could is just it, watch games that matter. Is it supposed to be a little rainy? Am I seeing it's supposed to be a little rainy? There's. It's going to be overcast with a chance of rain. And that line is is. Uh, almost is 30. 30. I mean, are you going to take I'm, the zips? I'm t- I think I'm just going to, yeah, let's throw a zip log on the fire. <laughs> <laughs> give, me, give me Akron catching 30. Uh, like this, hey, Akron loves this weather. Nasty 45 degree overcast. Like that's, they live in this, man. That's Mac. That, that's a sunny day in the Mac. Meanwhile, South Carolina just got done, you know, putting up 35 against Clemson's arrival last week. Uh, yeah, they don't want anything to do with this game. They'll go get a win, get they, out of there. They have their six wins. Yeah. So it's not yeah. like they're playing to go to a bowl game here. They're just playing because 
school wants to make back some money for the game it lost. There's really nothing. It, there's nothing for them to gain in this game. Yeah. Well, there is something on the line, Tom. For those of us who have a South Carolina over seven, we kind of need this for the push. <laughs> we'll get it. We'll get our push. All right. I think you're going to get your push. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Let's review the cards. Tom is the leader. He is at 53 and 45 plus eight on the season. He's got five plays. Utah plus five and a half on Friday night. Georgia plus 13 and a half. Oklahoma minus eight. Ohio State minus 14. And the under 52 and a half in Fresno, Boise. Barton, he is 47 to 44 plus three on the seasons on the season. Five games behind Tom. He has eight on the fire. Under 44.5 in Utah, Washington. He is also on Georgia plus 13.5. Oklahoma minus 8. Ohio State minus 14. The under 53 in Clemson Pitt. Clemson minus 27.5. The over 64 in UCF Memphis. And he's got a zip log on the fire. That's Akron plus 30 to round it out. Chip, 47. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Shouldn't we call it a zip lock? It is a zip lock. (laughs) <laughs> how many is that the first ziplock that we've had i, I think so yeah. i think it's the first ziplock that we've had he's hoping the blue and yellow to come together to make some green <laughs> um uh all right alabama minus 13 and a half for chip who's 47 and 43 plus four on the season four games behind tom over 63 and a half in Alabama, Georgia. Oklahoma minus eight. That's our lock unity. Cal plus three. Uh, Pitt plus 27 and a half. Under 56 in South Carolina, Akron. Under 51 in Virginia Tech. Marshall. It's a good card, gentlemen. I have no idea how you guys were able to manage so many locks in this. <laughs> so on the here's what I had on the, on the side. Uh, Utah plus five and a half on the side. Fresno plus two and a half on the side. Middle Tennessee minus one and a half. I think they win that game. But uh, I'm, trying to, I'm, I'm trying to catch Tom here, so I can't get too reckless. <laughs> this, was like, this was just like jazz or like a jam band rock. I just sort of let it come to me. You know, went in, no <laughs> script. Just Im- started jamming out. See what happens. Improvisational locking. <laughs> I like it. Uh, what'd you say? I was going to say, I'm sitting there writing my column on Wednesday night. Like, oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, he is Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Tom Fernelli. He's Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Please subscribe to the Cover 3 podcast. Tell your friends. And yeah, if you leave a review, um, we check them. And uh, if you got any questions, you can uh, if actually if you got any like questions questions tweet them to us or uh, hashtag cover with hashtag cover three and if you say anything in the iTunes reviews just please make My it nice five stars otherwise five star you're just bitter so you know spread love it's the holiday season gentlemen thank Don't you very much these locks. five you. star master lock lock it up you want these locks. I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying every, every point, every cover.